Hello, this is Justin Williams with the Wolfpacker Podcast. I'm joined today, as always, by co-host Matt Carter, and today we're going to have a much more positive post-game reflections podcast than last week. NC State crushed Furman, its only FCS-level opponent on the 2021 schedule, 45-7 to last night in Carter-Finley Stadium. Um, Matt was there in attendance. Of course, I'm not going to be in attendance at any of these games this year, but this one was a weird one for me because I had to jump around and I didn't get RSN in California, so eventually found it on ESPN3, which I want to talk about in just a second, Matt, but a quick reminder for the listeners and viewers before we jump into this podcast. Please pay attention. Subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and wherever you watch them too. We're on Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Google Play, Everywhere you listen to podcasts, plus you can always watch us on our YouTube channel where you need to subscribe, okay? And also hit that thumbs up when you watch this video on YouTube. Drop a comment if you're feeling frisky. Um, But yeah, we appreciate your support on all of our platforms. We're very easy to listen to, so if you want to listen to this show, you have no excuses. We're on all the podcast apps. We're also on YouTube. You have access to those things, so go listen, go subscribe. Okay, Matt. Um, I want to start off this podcast by saying that it is easier to watch an RSN game when you're not in North Carolina than it is to watch an NC State regionally covered game when you are in North Carolina now in 2021 because of how, you know, cord cutting and the cable companies work. I'm a YouTube TV guy. I'm a cord cutter. I'd imagine that a lot in my demographic are also in that same boat. I can't watch RSN games when I'm in North Carolina, but I was easily able to watch NC State Furman last night on ESPN3 because, you know, I, I'm not in the blacked out area anymore, and that that's a nice thing. That, that was a very pleasant surprise. But let me ask you this, Matt. How was it being there last night? Because the weather looked good. I know there were some concerns about fans getting into the stadium but it looked like a pretty solid crowd last night and one that you know as long as there was a game going on because the game basically ended at halftime but as long as there was a game going on it looks like the crowd was pretty into it yeah it was definitely a nice night it was a little warm you know yeah the students when they came in you know they come in rushing in first so they can get those great seats right by the uh, uh front row and um, they saw an awful lot of fanning going on while they were waiting for the game to start and the sun was still kind of beating down on them. And once the sun came down, it was good. I mean, it was a nice night and, and the weather, I'm telling you, Justin, you would, it would make Californians envious the weather coming up here in North Carolina next Saturday, Clemson coming to town early forecast looks low to mid seventies for game day. Um, it should be it should be spectacular, but that good crowd. Uh, it didn't seem to be um, you know, there were long lines, but it, it filled up nicely. I was a little concerned about that after Mississippi State, what kind of crowd might turn out. But they sold out. Most of their fans showed up. There were more people there than um, the family day. I'm sure it helped. I saw a lot of parents out there, and um, yeah, it was it was neat. 
I mean, it, it was a low-stress game, right? But sometimes those low-stress games don't lend themselves to, you know, high-octane environments. I will say, the quality that on this is a heck of a wave was executed at the end of the first quarter, and it actually sustained itself going into the second quarter. And, you know, normally the wave takes two, three, four times to kind of get Going, I mean, I, I think I remember that when y'all were trying to get you, you were trying to get a wave going at a Carolina Hurricanes playoff game, right? Uh, maybe Early so. This year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I might have had so too y'all many know storm how hard it is to get, huh? I said I might have had too many storm brews to remember. Yeah. Y'all know how hard it is to get those things going and, and to get everybody coordinated, and it looked like it was first try worked and around the stadium. Um. That was about as much as you got. I mean, that was it's indicative of the game, right? It was an easy game. Nothing you can really take away from it. But uh, it's a nice evening, I guess. Well, I mean, just the fact that there were enough fans to have a wave, you know, in a game like that um, is an encouraging sign. Because, look, I personally thought that there was the context and the environment there for this to be kind of an awkwardly empty game for NC State going into a game where they're really going to need to build some confidence this weekend. But I think they were able to accomplish that for the most part. You know, you come off of a disappointing road loss. You go into a game against, you know, the least sexy opponent on your home schedule. So if you're a season ticket holder, chances are if you're selling any of your tickets this year, this is the game where you're selling them. But it's also the game where, you know, people that don't buy season tickets they don't go to every game they just want to you know get into one nc state game this year for you know reasonable economical cost this is probably the one that they circle so um but no nc state i think they had one goal in this game you know build your confidence for for the big one coming up against clemson and i think they were able to do that because like you said matt this was a no stress game but you also have to acknowledge that it takes a team to execute to make it a no-stress game because if you go in lackadaisical and you don't respect the opponent and you just go through the motions, that no-stress type game can quickly become you know, a hair-pulling, anxiety-inducing event. So I thought NC State looked clean and sharp. You know, they didn't... They had that Bam Knight fumble, which was an early mistake, which made it only a 10-point game at the end of the first quarter. But then... NC State just blew Furman's doors off in the second quarter. NC State was a 27-point spread. They covered it alone in the second quarter, beating Furman 28-0. So, I mean, we talked about it last week, Matt. You want you said some fans want it over by half or by the end of the first quarter, but as long as it's over by halftime, I think you should be happy with that. I don't think he could have been any more spot on than what happened last night. Yeah, that was the whole, you know, they, they kind of, were you going to sleepwalk through this game or not? Because Furman was just potentially good enough to be a potentially pesky team if you're trying to sleepwalk through this game. Uh, and they didn't. And yeah, they survived the early miscue with the Bam Knight fumble. Um, you know, Furman missed the field goal. And then after that, it was... I literally, I, I think NC State punted once the rest of the first half uh, and scored either a touchdown or a field goal on six drives 
Um, and Bowman didn't get a single first down after that first series before halftime. Um, so, yeah, 38 nothing at halftime is what you wanted, and that's what you got. And you saw domination on the line of scrimmage. I was looking at the pro football focus grades earlier, which we'll have on the website message boards. The initial grades, at least, because the grades will change. But every offensive lineman scored very highly for NC State. And that's what you want. You got a massive advantage in size and athleticism and strength. And there were huge numbers on the offensive line, even for the backup guys. Guys like Lyndon Cooper and Anthony Belton, who were playing their first multiple snaps in the game this year, had pretty nice grades. So. It just shows you that the, the, the talent advantage they had, they took advantage of it. They didn't mess around with it. And, yeah, I mean, I, I wrote my column. It kind of, you know, there were just really three questions you could ask. Would they come out healthy? Looks that way. Survived the Drake Thomas targeting flag in the second half. Let's um, get, well, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Did they, would they come out motivated? That seemed to be a yes. And, would they get the other guys, some of the, the the reserve guys, a good amount of action in that? Would they resounded? Yes, I don't. I'm not sure I've ever seen this many NC State players in one game before. So um, they answered all the questions you really could have. Well, I mean, the the second half was a complete wash. You know, you, you if you watch the first half of this game, you basically. If you watch the first half of this game and the first eight seconds of the second half, you got everything that you wanted to know. Out of the game, yeah. because the the Drake Thomas uh, targeting scare. I mean that that was very hair pulling, nerve wracking <laughs> for a second. Even though it was clearly, I thought, you know, a loose targeting call. I didn't think that it was going to be confirmed. I I thought Drake did a good enough job of not leading with the crown of his helmet, which is basically what the rule is all about. But that would have just been like the dumbest, most unfortunate thing to ever happen. You're eight seconds into a 38-point game, and now you lose, I mean, what seems to be your best linebacker so far, your new captain. You could have lost best him for the first half. Yeah, I mean, he's just, you're seeing him at the top of the defensive stat sheet every single week for these first three weeks. I mean, Drake Thomas is running running around that field with a man, a man like he got his head cut off, and... I mean, you got to love it because he's leaned down this summer. He looks physically really sharp. He looks quicker this year. He's always had that it factor. You know, you've always liked watching Drake Thomas play, but there's always been a hesitancy of like, ah, well, is he really like a next-level talent because his athleticism is, you know, kind of borderline, really solid college player. I mean, he's really worked on his body this season, and he's making you reconsider some of those initial thoughts of, you know, where he could go beyond college, so... Um, but luckily targeting didn't get upheld, so you don't have to worry about it, but it was really, uh, wow, this would have been a real stink bomb going into the Clemson <laughs> game. That could have, that could have ruined the whole night with Drake. If you lose Drake Thomas for the first half against Clemson, but crisis averted. Did, did you have any other thoughts on that targeting? No, I, I, it was funny. We were debating at halftime. What do you do? I knew what NC State was going to do, but you still debate what do you do. Right? There's a whole, there's a feeling right or wrong in the coaches' community that you don't pull, you don't put reserves in right at the start after halftime. You give those starters a series after halftime so that they stay in that kind of rhythm and that, 
you know, keep that habit going of, of getting to start after halftime. You don't want to interrupt that. I guess I, you know, kind of the norm and, um, coaches are creatures of habits and they want their players to be creatures of habit. Uh, so we, I knew that they were going to get the start of one more drive to start the second half and then pull it to the reserves. But yeah, it was, uh, that's a, that's a risk you take. I mean, whether you get an injury on one of those or you had what would have been a heaven forbid, Drake Thomas gets a target and flag upheld on the first to second play of the second half. And now he's sitting out the first half against Clemson when you're already without Peyton Wilson. Um, well, it's a dynamic so, that college yeah. coaches really need to consider. Because, you know, you automatically think when you're – in a lopsided game, you think you got to, you know, sit your star players, sit your quarterback. You don't want them getting hurt. But now, if there's any defenders on the field that you absolutely need, I mean, in college football right now, the chances are not that low that you could get dinged for a targeting penalty. I mean, I'm seeing, I'm seeing an average. I don't know what the actual average is, but I'm seeing the games that I'm watching at least two a game. I mean, it it it, it would be. I don't think I've watched a game without a targeting call in college football this year. So it's just another two flags at the NC State game. Uh, The one was upheld on the Furman player on a hit on Thayer Thomas, and obviously the one on Drake Thomas. I want to add this too. Shout out to the Furman quarterback because he's a tough kid. I mean, he took some hard hits in that game. I mean, I mean earlier Drake Thomas, I thought might have broken his back when he got him on the back. You know, hit him from behind, and I think Isaiah Moore crushed him on one play. Um, he got up every single time. Um, so kudos to him. You know, he, he, and he finished the game for him with a touchdown pass. So I'm sure that's a nice feeling for him. He did, probably doesn't feel too well this morning, but that particular moment was a nice feeling for him. I'm not sure there was anybody rooting for Mississippi State, or excuse me, NC State to beat Mississippi State last weekend more than Hamp Sisson, because man, he really, he really, I don't think anybody took it harder NC State's lackluster performance last week than Hamp Sisson. So, kudos yeah. to him, and um, luckily for him, he won't have to face uh, a defense like that again for the rest of Furman's season. So, hopefully, he can light up the rest of his FCS schedule from here on out. Uh, just a couple more notes about this game, and then I think we should do a quick little look ahead because I think the main narrative of this story is what's happening next week and also what happened in Clemson this Saturday. Um, just kind of previewing what we're going to end up going into next week for a preview podcast, and then we'll give out our game balls. Um, the BAM fumble. Now it's the second game in a row where Bam has fumbled the ball. And, you know, during the offseason, there was a lot of conversation about Bam needs to get the ball more. He needs to be the the uh, carry leader on this team. And, you know, I'm certainly in that camp as well. But when we talk about the reasons as to why Bam wasn't the carry leader last year, why there was such a, you know, snap count divide and why Ricky Person kind of seemed to get the edge more times than not last year. Everybody likes to point to the pass protection element of, well, Bam, you know, he wasn't as good of a pass protector as Ricky. And 
That's true, although neither of them were like particularly elite pass protectors last year, so the difference was pretty nominal. The thing that doesn't get talked about enough is that there was also concern about, you know, Bam Knight just holding on to the football. It's like it's great that you can have these crazy explosive games, but I mean, it'd be interesting to do a study on how much value, you know, running backs if a running back runs for 120 yards in a game, how much do you subtract from a fumble? Because a fumble is, you know, probably it probably hurts you about the same as like a 40-yard run would help you on offense. So it's a it's a big, you know, mitigating factor and Dave Dorn more than I think most coaches, I think he'd be above average in the sense that he really emphasizes turnover margin. He understands how important it is to win turnover margin, to win games at the college level. Um, that's got to be a factor in his head, but I like that they went right back to Bam Knight. Next drive, he breaks off his big run. He gets going. He gets into rhythm. He ends up having a great night. Um, 11 carries, 104 yards, one touchdown. Average 9.5 yards per rush, similar to his double-digit average in the opener against USF. But, um, you know, it just seems like you're either getting hot or cold, bam. You know, if, he, if he's not breaking off these crazy runs, it's almost like... I, I can't recall an average BAM game. I don't know what an average BAM game is. He's either breaking off for 100 yards or he's stymied at the offensive line and he's like, where? who is this guy? So what what's your assessment on BAM night moving forward this season? I think, you know, you're going to get the explosive, play, <clears throat> the explosive plays. I think what I think the key for NC State is... And the Clemson game may not be a fair test for that. But once, what happens when you get into the Boston College, Wake Forest is Miami, where Kenneth Walker, former Wake Forest running back, now playing it for the Spartans of Michigan State, had a huge game against Miami running the football yesterday. Um, put a fork you know, in What are you going to do against that? What's that? I said put a fork, put in, a fork Miami. in Miami. You're so right about Miami. But what are you going to do about those? <laughs> You're so right. NC State might be favored by the time we get to that game. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, but I, I, that's where you're going to learn about Bam Knight is what what happens when you get to those kind of teams. Can he get those what you talked about? Kind of maybe that grinded out twenty k's, eighty five yards, and a touchdown type game, an average four yards per k. Uh, that's that's where you kind of show your value, right? That's where Matt Days, for instance, would get his thousand yards. It's against, you know, he would play UNC and run 20, 25 times and get 110 yards, you know, and it wasn't nothing, it wasn't spectacular. It was workmanlike, healthy diet, a couple of 10, 15 yards runs mixed in there, you know, but he fought hard and got four yards, you know, when there was two yards, he managed to get four yards out of it type of deal. Um, you know, the fumbling has been an issue in his past. It was an issue in uh, preseason camp before his rookie year. It just, you know, it's just something he has to work on. You've got to get it, you got to make sure it doesn't become a mental thing for him now. You can take it one or two ways. You can become so obsessed with it that your ball security becomes off the charts because you're so conscious about it. Or it could become such an issue that you worry about it so much and you lose your confidence and it's kind of like the, the receiver who should cleanly cut the ball, but he was so worried about it. Once you get there, he bobbles it, right? Um, knowing Bam, I would suspect it'll be the former. 
that he'll just be really good on the ball security. I hadn't seen the play yet. Looking back on it, so I, I didn't look at the replay. Was it like a, a helmet on football type of hit where it would have been a fumble a lot of times? I don't know. So sometimes you just tip your hat to the defense and say, well, nine out of ten running backs would have fumbled on that play. Um, so you have to kind of see that. But I was honestly surprised he came back into the game the next series. Mm-hmm. And he ran four times for, I think, 60 yards or something on that drive. And, and he was on his way to an excellent first half. And he was another one. He, I think the one time it off, um, he returned the kick out of the engine. And it was 45 to 7 at that point. And I was like, what is going on? Bam, no. <laughs> you know. But uh, I guess they wanted to press his kickoff returns at least once in this game. If State was playing Clemson yesterday and wasn't playing Furman, I suspect we wouldn't have seen Bam Knight on the next drive after that fumble. But I really do respect the decision, and I completely agree with it. When when it's a game where you're clearly better than your opponent, you've got to build confidence. And part of that is, look, we still trust you. We know you fumbled the ball. No, you can't do that. That's goals number one, two, and three as a running back. Hold on to the football. Do not turn it over. But you go back to him. You're a guy, and and he pays you back, and he gets in the end zone, and he gets the confidence that he needed. So I thought it was a great sequence. Um, I hope it will propel Bam into you know, a rhythm that he can carry on throughout the rest of the season. The entire running game looked great. I'm not going to take away too much from the run game in general because the offensive line was clearly physically superior than its opponent. And, uh, I mean, NC State averaged seven yards a run. Like, it, it, it wasn't rocket science to win this game. Just run it down their throats. I mean, they could have run every single play if they wanted to. Still would have won by multiple touchdowns. But they wanted to get Devin Leary in rhythm. My last two notes of this game, Devin Leary in the defense once again... Well, the defense, once again, looked sharp. I thought Devin Leary clearly had his best game of the season to date, although, you know, the asterisk for both of those comments is you're playing Furman, so you should do that. You know, Devin Leary should complete most of his passes. He shouldn't throw an interception against Furman. He should throw for multiple touchdowns. The defense should shut out Furman in the first half, so... All of those things are great. All of those things are checks on the box. But, you know, I don't I don't think it's a, oh, well, NC State's back to the preseason top 15 dark horse candidate in the ACC hype train that we were talking about. Um, I think it's probably somewhere in the middle because I think we're still a little low on NC State after that Mississippi State performance. Every team has a bad game. I think that it's very possible that could be NC State's bad game. Maybe they end up having the best game of their season next week uh, against Clemson. But, you know, I I don't take much from this game, but you, you got everything that you wanted from this game. And now we move on to Clemson, the topic on everybody's mind. Um, so, Matt, any other thoughts before we jump into just a quick little teaser on next week? No, I, mean, I, think, I, I, think, I think everybody looking forward to next week. Uh, when they did Mississippi State game, it was on September 11th, or maybe September 12th is when people started looking forward to, uh, not forward maybe, but ahead to Clemson. I mean, 
Oh, I think people started looking ahead to Clemson September 11th, uh, probably around 8, 8.30 Eastern time over there in Raleigh. Uh, you know, certainly after the fourth down conversion at the end of the first half of the Mississippi State game. But, you know, I, yeah, I, I just want to tell you real quick. I mean, I, that, that, that thing about these farming games, right? It's just, they, they're, they're, they're difficult to. It's a nice, it's a perfect game for family day, right? It's, it's a nice casual game at the, you know, just enjoy time with your family more than really watching the game. And, I reiterate what I said in the game predictions. I hope there's a way in the future, maybe with this alliance coming together, that we can find a way to dump these games. They just, you know, they benefit nobody. They don't. I mean, it's a nice game to get reserve players snaps and get a lot of guys in the game snaps. It's a low-stress week for the coaches. I get all that stuff, but ultimately... You know, I know players. I've talked to a lot of players. They hate these games. I mean, they don't like playing these games. And, um, and certainly the fans don't enjoy it. We don't enjoy covering it. Not that our opinions matter. But fans would rather have even a South Florida or Louisiana Tech over yeah. something like that. You know, I mean, it's a, the FCS games are uh, they're very, very for lack of a better way of putting it, annoying to play. And Well, for the um, reasons you mentioned, it's like it's fine if you want to play an FCS opponent on a regular basis. Just make that your spring game. Don't don't scrimmage each other. Just play an FCS opponent. You know, with a run Yeah, that's kinda right. I was hoping that maybe the FCS looks into being a spring yeah. football. I mean there's probably a lot of reasons why they shouldn't do that in terms of NFL aspirations players health and all that jazz but you know you're talking about a small few when it comes to the nfl aspirations and this is your chance to get on the tv and make a little bit of money maybe you can get a little tv deal out of this to, to add to your coffers and um get some exposure and look if an SCS team says, hey, Alabama, we will play you in the spring. You can use it for your spring game. It counts on our win-loss record, but it doesn't count as a game on yours. And, um, you know how, many, how much money they could make off of that? I mean, ESPN puts Alabama versus McNeese State in the spring or Alcorn State or whatever in the spring. It'll get ratings. Oh, Alabama yeah. fans will crave for it. They hadn't had their football in three months. They will crave for it. So, and that's the way you can play those games. You can get something in the spring. Maybe even make a little money off of it. And then schedule real teams in the fall. Yeah. I think that would be a win-win for all. But I'll get off my high horse on that. Here, here, Matt. I'm I'm 100% with you. I, yeah, these games are pretty pointless. The only thing that can happen is bad things like Drake Thomas getting a targeting call or an injury happening or something like that. That's the only that's the only things that you can get take away from these type of games. But let's move on to Clemson because I think it's important for us to talk about it. Once again, the context is set up for NC State to be the thorn in Clemson's side. Could NC State be the one that eventually overtakes Clemson's spot at the top of the throne of the not just the ACC but also the Atlantic Division? Clemson's been in. The ACC championship games, you know, 
every single year for the past, I think, five or six years. They've won it every time, too. Um, but they look beatable. They, they escaped a Georgia Tech team that lost to Northern Illinois this year. That team in Clemson, okay? Clemson was playing at home, and they beat Georgia Tech 14-8. to They needed a goal line stand late in the fourth quarter to take down the Yellow Jackets. And, you know, this was simply a matter of Clemson's offense looking just the chemistry wasn't there. It hasn't clicked yet. Um, DJ Ui Angule, I completely butchered that. But DJ, um, it's too early, it's too, le- too early here for me to pronounce that name. Give me at least until 9 a.m. on the West Coast, then I can pronounce that name. But, granted, uh, he, he hasn't looked like the five-star number one quarterback of the 2020 class that we all expected him to be. He hasn't looked like that guy that threw for over 400 yards in South Bend when Trevor Lawrence was out last year. But I say all of this. I know I know NC State fans are thinking the same thing. They're like, you know what? Clemson looks so beatable this year. But I say all of this to warn the listeners at home that the game is coming where Mad Clemson will show up. And when Mad Clemson shows up, it's going to click. We're going to see the Clemson that we're used to seeing in the sense that they're going to go out there and they're going to dominate their opponent. And I fear that this could be that week because there's also, you got to look at it from Clemson's side. Clemson's coming off a game where, you know, they were favored by 28 points in that game. Clemson is used to kicking Georgia Tech's ass at home in Death Valley. But it was weird. I was watching that game and it was like the weirdest Death Valley game ever because it was almost, I mean, at times I thought it was at, for a second I thought it was in Atlanta because it was so quiet. I was like, where, where, where's the Clemson faithful? They were never in that game. Um, but, you know, they're going to be mad going into this one, I think, after that result. And maybe they try something new this week, Matt. I think that kind of leads to your forecast. So what, what, what are you thinking about this game going into this? Yeah, and I, you know, I got a lot to learn about Clemson this week. I, I watched the Georgia game. Uh, and then they, they had the unique circumstance with the Georgia Tech game. Obviously, they struggled offensively, but there was their lightning delay for a couple of hours, which certainly caused the crowd to vanish mm-hmm. uh, when they came back. And um, and so the energy level probably was not as high as it normally would be for a game in Clemson. And might be some confidence issues. That, you know, based on what I saw against Georgia, I didn't get a lot of look at the Georgia Tech game. They had some issues on the offensive line uh, for Clemson. Um, you know, we all assumed Clemson would just replace all these guys that went to the NFL on offense. And, and so sometimes we have to understand that even Clemson, it takes a little bit of time. That's why I always point back to the NC State 2019 season when People don't want to hear, oh, excuses, excuses, excuses. I say, well, you lose your, your number two receiver and your this running back and your top off of the lineman and, and you know, go down the list and you go through all the injuries NC State had that year. I don't remember them off the top of my head, but they were an unbelievable amount and across the board and key players. Even Clemson would struggle with that, right? And we're seeing kind of evident that even Clemson sometimes takes a little bit of time to replace star players. Um, I will point out a couple of things that, uh, before I really study up on Clemson and get an idea about it. 
Yeah, we tune back in for a preview. Tune, tune back in for a preview podcast later this week. This is just a teaser. We'll have way more information on Clemson yeah. later this week. Yeah, and the teaser I would have it too. We're gonna gonna get caught up in the offense, and yeah, I suspect that it, that'll be a wake up call after Georgia Tech to the coach. He said, "Okay, we got to mix things up. What we're doing right now is not working. We're gonna have to mix things up, change things up, and boy, NC State's gonna be the guinea pig." for the new look, um, which has happened, as we talked about off here, that happened to NC State before the first time they played Deshaun Watson. Uh, he had not been a running quarterback up to that point, and then that was the game where they said, you know what, we're going to have Deshaun Watson run the football. And he had a huge game running the football, and they trounced NC State, I think I'm like 41 to nothing, and it wasn't even that close, unfortunately, for State. Um. But I will say two quick things. One, I read a comment where Dabo Twenty said Georgia Tech lined up and stuff they hadn't seen at all. So they, they, apparently Georgia Tech pulled some surprise on them. And two, um, Georgia Tech still only scored eight points. Georgia offense, I think, scored three points on Clemson. Didn't get a touchdown. The one touchdown was a pick six. Uh, what has it been NC State's question mark the first three games? We had the one game that really mattered. What was the question mark coming out of it? Offense. What the one question mark Clemson does not have at all right now? Defense. This will be the best defense NC State faces by a mile. So I agree Wait, with you. I would even call- better than Mississippi State? By a mile. Okay. I'm <laughs> so, just checking because some Mississippi State yeah. fans in our comments. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry, Mississippi State. That was an entertaining game. I watched it with Memphis. Uh, unfortunately, they lost to Memphis on the road. But, uh, oh. yeah. So, oh, didn't see that. Um, <laughs> Whoops. Not to have missed a two-point conversion. Maybe. Uh, to oh. try to tie the game. But, uh, uh, that's a tricky game, though, at Memphis. So, in Mississippi State's defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to my point. This will be the best defense. So don't focus, my quick for NC State fans, don't focus exclusively on Clemson's offense and their struggles. Yes, that's a big storyline. Yes, that offers a glimmer of hope for NC State. Uh, yes, yes, it does make Clemson look beatable, et cetera, et cetera. Don't forget that defense looks pretty exceptional right now, and they still have that in their back pocket. Yeah, Dave Dorn said it best last week. From here on out, it's about us. It's not about the opponent we play. doesn't matter if it's Furman. doesn't matter if it's Clemson. They couldn't be two different types of opponents. But if NC – look, you never have an excuse to play bad football. That's what NC State played in week two against Mississippi State. I thought they played good football against Furman. I thought they played good football against South Florida. Unfortunately for those two teams, they just don't stack up talent-wise to a Power 5 opponent like NC State. So we don't know what NC State's, you know, when NC State plays good football, we don't know what they're capable of yet. And we don't know what Clemson is capable of yet when they play good football because, I mean, I thought they played energized, strong football against Georgia because, I mean, that was just a defensive juggernaut game. I think that was the game to compete who has the second best defense in college football behind Alabama. Georgia may have gotten the edge there just because their D-line looks so nasty, but, man, Clemson was right there with them. Um, but the key for NC State is, you know, can, can, you, can you run the ball against a good defense like this? You've been able to run the ball against a couple scrubs, 
you weren't able to run the ball against the SEC, the first SEC defense you saw this year, which probably is a middle-of-the-road to below-average defense in that conference. Now you're going to get one of the best defenses in the country. How are you going to respond to that? Can you get the passing game going if the running game doesn't get involved? We will see. We will have more breakdowns moving forward. But here is my guess for the spread, NC State fans. And do not – I'm not going to give you any advice, honestly. Do whatever you want. But I'm not <laughs> falling for it personally. I'm not falling for it. Matt, if I text you later this week, t- don't let me fall for it. I'm guessing the line's going to be about 17.5 for Clemson. I think Clemson's going to go in with about 17.5 points. Just enough for people to say, whoa, Clemson only beat Georgia Tech by six points at home. This NC State team's pesky bunch. I, they'll be able to cover that spread easily. But you know what? And they could. They could. I mean, NC State could win this game. I'm not saying that it's a foregone conclusion of the result. But if Clemson goes out there and they have their FU, we're mad, we're clicking game, then they will win by three touchdowns. I mean, come on. So it from NC State's perspective... It's about how NC State plays. They have to play well to beat a Clemson team, even if Clemson is having an off night. But for Clemson's end, you know you can't control what Clemson team comes on the other end. You hope that their offensive struggles continue next Saturday. So we will see. I'm pumped up. I'm more motivated than I was last week about this game. Um, but we will have, I can assure you this, Matt is going to have a lot of content for you on thewolfpacker.com this week. So hammer that promo code pack60 at thewolfpacker.com for a free 60-day trial on all of our premium content news and analysis. Matt, before I wrap this podcast up, game ball, who you got? Yeah, I go Thea Thomas. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, so maybe you can help me out, but I think he had... He led all receivers. Yeah, I think he had 137 all-purpose yards when you had the punt returns, and he had a seven-yard reverse on the first play of the game, um, mm-hmm. had a couple of nice punt returns, had a touchdown catch right after the target and hit on him. Um, I thought it was his best game of the year. That's kind of the thing of Thomas I thought we could see this year for NC State. So to me, that was one kind of small storyline from the game is that maybe it'll get Thayer Thomas kind of back into the offense a little bit. Yeah, Thayer, Thayer Thomas, you're you're right. Thayer Thomas leads NC State. Well, led all players because Furman didn't have anybody that had more than maybe 60 yards in this game. But NC, uh, Thayer Thomas led all players with 137 all-purpose yards, 82 receiving, 48 on his punt return, and a 7-yard rush. Typically, the guy that leads the all-purpose category is Bam Knight because he catches passes, he kick, you know returns kicks, he also runs the ball. More opportunities there, so great game for Thayer to uh, have more all-purpose yards than Bam in a game where Bam is averaging nine and a half yards per carry. Um, you think I'm going? You think you know where I'm going with this, but you don't actually. I'm gonna go with Anthony Smith, three receptions, 53 yards, and his first career college football Second touchdown. touchdown. No, okay, no, I'm thinking about Porter Rooks last year. That was the rookie that got. Because when was Anthony Smith's when was his touchdown? He caught one against UNC late in the game against UNC. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Okay, because there was another. We're talking about Porter Rooks in the Virginia game where he. uh, But wasn't didn't Anthony didn't Anthony Smith have one of like an unfortunate drop in an early game last season too? Virginia, he did. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that was okay. So I thought this was his first career touchdown. My apologies. His first touchdown when it mattered because that UNC game was lost. So that was a garbage time <laughs> touchdown. His first career touchdown catch from Devin Leary. Our first, our, mm-hmm. we, we get to see Leary to Smith for the first time. And I think that's a connection that you're going to be seeing more because, look, Anthony Smith, he has the, I mean, he, he might be the most athletically gifted of that talented wide receiving core for NC State. Uh, he's certainly playing his way onto the field more so. He was uh, he had the second most receiving yards of any receiver on NC State. That's pretty impressive. Um, but good to see you know him and Leary connect on that deep ball because you got to think with Leary's deep ball ability and Anthony Smith's ability to create separation. I mean, it just makes sense to have Anthony Smith on the field. He brings a vertical threat that just makes it so much tougher for opposing defensive coordinators to scheme against this NC State offense. So would love to see him get some more time. Game ball goes to him. I think it's his, his first Wolfpacker game ball. So congrats to Anthony Smith. I know that touchdown was nice, but more importantly, you get your first Wolfpacker game ball from the Post Game Reflections <laughs> podcast. But that's going to do it for us this week. Tune back in later this week for our Clemson preview podcast. And remember, I warned you about Clemson plus seven or NC State plus 17.5 against Clemson. Um, quick reminder, listeners, viewers at home, Subscribe, rate, review this podcast wherever you listen to us. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere you listen to podcasts. And please, please, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'd really appreciate it. We're closing in on that thousand subscriber goal, Matt. I think, you know what? I think if NC State beats Clemson, I think we're going to smash that goal next week. Let's hope for that. But (laughs) in the meantime, help us out. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give this video a thumbs up and drop a comment while you're at it. Um, follow us on social media at the Wolfpacker is the main account. Uh, you can follow me personally at Justin H. Will and give us a like on Facebook, NC State Wolfpack on the Wolfpacker.com. So for Matt Carter, this is Justin Williams, and this has been the Wolfpacker Podcast.